Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elliot, this reminds me. Do you still have my copy of Podcasting for Dummies? No, Elliot. I gave it to... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just, was, I just caught me as funny. <laughs> I, I hope so. It is funny. <laughs> no, Elliot. I gave it to that mime we met who said we wanted to get a podcast. Shit. Damn, I tripped all over that. All right. I'm going to start from the beginning. where pop culture creatives discover design icons that make us tick and we share a few cocktails in the process today we're digging into our inner bookworms we'll be looking at books with both great design and great content and boy our shelves are loaded speaking of Get the bartender's attention and order another round of Smoky Lowballs and join us back in the bar. Hmm. Smoky Lowballs. <laughs> Todd, isn't that your uh, screen name in uh, some online chat rooms? Hey, you, you have said don't give away all of our secrets. All right, Elliot. Let's just get mm, into right. this a little that's bit. Right. All right. Look, look, look. What do bars and libraries have in common? Hmm. Drunk people having sex? Uh, Well, I was going to go with nothing, really, but I like your answer better. (laughs) So, you know, which reminds me, uh, we're here in the bar and we're talking about things you talk about in bars like books. We're being bookworms today, and I think we we both are bringing something to uh, the table here. Some interesting uh, literary... Uh, pieces that are both beautifully designed and written, right? Yes, 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 yes. And I'm so excited uh, about this topic because I will freely admit I get to talk about one of my all-time favorite books. All right? And uh, do you want to try to guess? Do you want to do a little bit of a guessing game? I'm not Debbie sure. Debbie does Dallas. They, they made a book about that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the book would come before the movie. Oh, I, I bet the subtitle of that book would be Insert Tab A into Slot B. Oh, yeah, okay. That That's sort of the uh, instructional guide. Okay. Yes. I, I don't know, man. There's a bunch of great books out there. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. This one is named after a vegetable. Well, the publishing arm of it is named after a vegetable. And this should be a big hint. Yeah. Okay. And uh, knowing your taste, uh, I guess that uh, that Rutabaga Publishing Company never did quite take off. So uh, it has to be something uh, from The Onion, right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I love the onion. Okay. All right. All right. Well, fill me in on that. Okay. Do you remember back in the late 90s a little book that came out called Our Dumb Century? Uh, I've heard you talk about it, but I, I don't know much about it. Okay. Um, well, I, I mean, I know it's from The Onion, and, and I've heard you talk about how good it is. But, I, yeah, other than that, not much. Well, by the end of this podcast episode, you will be a subject matter expert on our Ooh, I can't wait to listen to this then. Yes, yes. This is, this is the history of the history of our history, because I'm talking about this book. All right. I'm going to subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> well, that means we'll have at least one subscriber. Okay. All right. Well, tell me about our dumb century from The Onion. Yes. Well, I feel for those listeners who may be unfamiliar with The Onion or may even only know about The Onion in its current form. I feel like I need to do a little bit of a history lesson prior to my history lesson, which is really what our dumb century is, to talk about The Onion and to understand where this book came from. Okay. Okay. Please do. So The Onion, as a lot of people may know, is an American satirical media news company, publishes articles on international, national, and local news. So if you go to theonion.com, you can see a lot of this stuff. And they've branched off over the years into videos, and they have a number of other properties. But I want to talk about when I consider The Onion to have sort of been at its zenith, um, which is in the late 90s, early aughts, okay? So the company is based in Chicago today, but it originated as a weekly print publication out of Madison, Wisconsin, at the University of Wisconsin in Madison in 1988. And it kept printing as a tabloid up through 2013. So while this was happening, of course, as the internet took off, they began publishing online in uh, early 1996. And most of their editorial content, aside from the one-off books, now lives on the web. So you can go back and you can, uh, just going to, as I mentioned earlier, theonion.com, you can find years and years and years of funny stuff um, that The Onion wrote about. It's all searchable, it's all free, um, and it's really great. I actually mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. send articles to people uh, all the time when a subject comes up and I, I remember it. Um, so that's actually good that it's online for that reason because it's a wonderful memory jogger. Um, but the genius of The Onion has always been the combination of its spot-on satire of journalistic Mm -hmm. tropes like infographics, Mm -hmm. man-on-the-street interviews, and, of course, articles written in AP style, right? Mm -hmm. Which is how most Mm -hmm. news articles are written. Yeah, it's so so real. It it, it is so believable because it is so real at at the way it's imitating the, the journalist. Yeah, these guys will, again, take real topics, celebrities... Uh, news events, politicians, all this sort of stuff. And um, and they'll commingle it, of course, with um, local infographics that are nonsense-based or man-on-the-street interviews that are nonsense-based. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, you know, making fun of, of all these different things you find in newspapers and news magazines, you know, this sort of fodder to, to fill the space. Um, and so this has led to several groups that are being made fun of, either directly or indirectly, taking the articles at face value um, because of course there's usually like 
semi-shoddy Photoshop work that accompanies right. the article. And, um, and they'll repost these articles often without attribution and unknowingly <laughs> duping their readers. So this, mm-hmm. again, was one of the best things about um, The Onion going online is you could link directly to these articles and because it looked enough like a real newspaper, foreign governments and and all these other folks, like I remember years ago, China, uh, the, basically the, the, you know, China runs its own uh, news agency and the mm-hmm. Chinese government run news agency linked to some article in The Onion. Off the top of my head now, I don't even remember what it was about, but it was over the top hilarious. But the, the Chinese... Um, saw it as evidence of democracy being inherently unstable. And so they uh-huh. linked to it as proof for their their readers, you know, their billion readers or whatever it was mm-hmm. at the time. And, uh, and so The Onion, if I remember correctly, basically said, first of all, this is a, you know, copyrighted content. You're not giving us any credit for this. So that's a problem. But on top of that, it's totally untrue. And this is fake. <laughs> so you need to take it down. And the Ch- Chinese admitted it, um, that they, they had gotten fooled and they, they took it down from what I remember, but they never like to their readers admitted uh, that they had been fooled. So that it just kind of magically oh. disappeared. So, but this has happened with, with other things over the years as well. Um, but the book itself, so let's get into our dumb century. Enough about The Onion. Plenty of, uh, plenty of listeners can, can do their homework on The Onion. But this book, um, I know you can get it today. Um, you know, it's 21, 22 years old at this point. came out in the late mm-hmm. 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a special edition maybe that came out, like a hardcover edition. But I'm talking about the OG. I'm talking about the original Our Dumb Century book. So in March of 1999... This was The Onion's first book. They had never come out with a book before. And Mm. so this was their Mm -hmm. first original book. So the book featured mocked up newspaper front pages from the entire 20th century. So basically a page a year, give or take. Presented under the premise that the publication had been continuously in print since before 1900. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And and just just to give you an idea, the introduction to the book... Okay, includes a reproduction of the original issue of the Mercantile Onion from 1765. <laughs> okay, and it's brilliant. I mean, it it looks like the Photoshop work they did is perfect. The typography, uh-huh. everything about uh-huh. it, makes it feel authentic. So the book is, in short, a work of genius. And by that, I mean, if my house were to catch on fire, this is one of the things I'm bringing with me. Damn, yeah. that's uh, that's that's quite the endorsement there. It is, it is. So you're probably wondering what makes this book so great. Yeah, why? Well, I've thought a lot about this, and I can narrow it down to really three reasons. There's probably actually a million reasons, but <laughs> for the mercy yeah. of both you and our listeners, I'll <laughs> narrow it down to only three, okay? So the design throughout this book is spot on. So they did an amazing amazing job of mimicking the look of newspapers like the New York Times and USA Today. So depending upon the era, um, you know, the newspaper is of that time and it is brilliant. And also the writing is brilliant. Not only the subject matter 
which of course has to be spot on for the period, right? So right. they're lampooning different current events for each of the years they're they're profiling. And we'll get into some of the uh, specifics on that in just a little bit. But also, as we talked about earlier with AP style, the editorial style here is amazingly accurate. And then the third thing is the humor. So mm-hmm. good humor mm-hmm. is incredibly challenging because it really needs to walk that tightrope of believability and parody, as we've talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. There's oh, got to yeah. be some level of plausibility. Okay, I feel, you know, in the interest of um, doing justice to our dumb century, I'm going to give you, I'm going to whet your appetite here, Todd. Okay, okay, but, yeah. But I'm, I was so going to ask, could you tell me more about yes, it? Like, yes, Give me an example. I'm going to give you an example, but then okay. I want to jump into your book a little bit, okay? Okay, all right. All right. So cast your mind back to the year 1903. That year's pretty famous, isn't it? And it's actually very, very famous to North Carolinians such as yourself, right? Right, right. So what happened in 1903? Uh, The biggest thing I can think of uh, happened in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Exactly. The the flying machine by the Wright brothers, first heavier-than-air flight. Exactly, exactly. So naturally, uh, the onion... That's a that's a newsworthy event, wouldn't you say? Yeah, huge newsworthy yeah. event. So, uh, for the year 1903, the front page has a photo of the Wright Brothers flyer, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's the, mm-hmm. the photo you always see. They didn't retouch that. You know, that's in the public domain or whatever. Right. Underneath that photo, the headline reads, Railroad scientists say Kitty Hawk flying apparatus a hoax. <laughs> With the subhead, <laughs> locomotive experts not fooled. <laughs> and there is a whole article that unpacks this, and it is amazing. And the body of the article is one of my favorite quotes that basically says, a locomotive, the most powerful machine known to man, was essentially launched off a ramp <laughs> and it crashed <laughs> back to the earth immediately. And if the most powerful machine known to man can't fly, how can some flimsy airplane stay off the ground? Like it was so great because it was so plausible. And again, it came from locomotive scientists, right? So it's this idea of, uh oh, this threatens our industry. We'd better shut it down. Um, right. It was so, so brilliant. And so spot on. <laughs> I love the word apparatus in that headline too. The oh flying yeah, flying apparatus. Oh yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the language of the time. Uh, they they nail it. I mean, they must have poured over newspapers from this era to get the language just right as well as the visuals nice but i could keep talking as i mentioned earlier and as i warned you warned our listeners about our dumb century for hours now that i think about it i think this might actually be an audio book you can buy which i've never listened to yeah so that would be pretty amazing Todd, this reminds me. Do you still have my copy of Podcasting for Dummies? No, Elliot. I gave it to that mime we met who said he wanted to get a podcast started. At least I think that's what he was saying. Well, while we fumble our way through the second half of this episode, grab three fingers of your favorite scotch and meet us back here in the bar in just a minute. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, while we have your attention, if you want to learn more about us and the podcast, there are a few ways to do it. Visit our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. All of that is spelled out. No numbers. Kind of a long URL, so do yourself a favor and bookmark it. Once you're there, you can find links to more information about the subjects in this episode, our episode archive, and information about both of us. Wait, we do want people to visit, right? Well, oh, and look for us on social media. You can find those links on our website as well. And while we're at it, if you have a friend who you feel will dig on our rambling, tell him or her what we're up to. While we can't guarantee that they will remain your friend, we can guarantee that they will listen to at least 30 seconds of whatever episode you send them the link to. (laughs) That's being a little shameless. And speaking of being shameless, it wouldn't be a proper ask if we didn't mention that if you like what you hear, you can also make a donation via our website. We have a Nigerian prince handling all transactions for us. In fact, he told us to mention that we have stickers to mail to anyone who donates $10 or more. Are we done? We're done. We're done. But I want to talk a little bit about the book that you're bringing to the table, because right. if it's half as good as our dumb century, we're going to have a great time today. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, I can't wait to hear more about that. And you've done a great sales job. I am going to have to pick it up now. There are some commonalities. Mine deals with pop culture uh, phenomena, but it's in a different vein, if you will. And this is really personal to me, and I'll explain why. So, Elliot, you know I'm kind of a little bit obsessive about collecting a particular superhero? Yes. Yes. All right. So that's that's pretty obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I believe it's a superhero who makes his home in Gotham City, if I'm not mistaken. He does. That's right. The Batman. Um, and I'm not the only one. Obviously, there's plenty of people that love this. And one of those people is a wonderful book designer named Chip Kidd. Very well-known art director and book designer for Knopf Publishing. He's been there for about a decade. And I've had the pleasure of uh, hearing Chip talk and present his work. And he's a great speaker. He's a great personality. He's a great person to hang out with. Uh, And I said, he's a huge Batman fan as well. So he actually wrote and designed a book named Batman Collected. And it was published in 1996 by DC Comics. And if you think about this is a dream project. And what it did is it featured collectibles that were themed around the dynamic duo. Now, Batman has been around since 1939, and it has been one of, if not the most collected superheroes, even today. Like, it's been through so many iterations. And Chip 
being a major collector, used a lot of his own collection for the photos and illustrations uh, in this book, as well as items that were lent to him from the DC archive. And the cool thing about this is it's not a it's not a collectibles book like a catalog where it shows like oh Batman toy radio from 1972. They're shot like objects of art. They're beautiful. Um, they're shot by a photographer named Jeff Spears. They're close up. You get to see the texture of these things. You get to see this this kind of wornness of there. And it's it's just captivating. It's you look at this and you just see these these things that have a life of their own. And Chip Kidd, being an amazing designer, plays off of these big bold images perfectly as works of art, with also sort of some calmness, some blank pages that are um, have little bits of copy or pattern or texture. But a cool thing is. The book starts with a phone call between a passionate collector and kind of a disinterested seller who is advertising a floppy thing. A, f- a floppy thing? A floppy thing, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll read. This is how the book opens. Okay. Hello? Hi, I saw your ad. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in number 88. Yeah. Is it sold yet? Let me check. Dot, 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 dot. No. Could you tell me more about it? It's a floppy thing from the 60s without the stick. Uh, I see. Could you be a little more specific? What do you mean? <laughs> well, what was it for? You know, it was a floppy thing, like from Carnival. It was on a stick and you wave it around. Floppy. Nice piece. Scarce. In good condition? Oh yeah, great shape. A little repair on the wing. Can't tell though. Great display piece. Can you do any better on the price? No, not really. Oh. Will you take a check? (laughs) So that's how the book starts and then you turn the page and there's just a small like 12 point type on the next page that says sure. And then across from that is a picture of a close-up of the floppy thing uh, that the the collector was calling about. So it really does capture how collectors are. They're passionate about what uh, they're looking for. There's a little bit of that um, that humility that comes in because you're talking to someone who may know a whole lot more about this stuff than you do. In this particular case, the person didn't, but. You know, you may be either talking to someone who is like, yeah, dude, you don't really know what you are asking about or disinterested and you kind of sound like you're a kook who wants to buy a floppy thing. So that part is really cool. And the way that Chip Kid writes about stuff, it's a love letter. It's a love letter to uh, his childhood starting way back in the 1960s now he is he's about my age Hmm, and yeah uh, he's about my age I I think he's a few months younger than I am but just like me his interest in Batman started with the 1960s Adam West Batman now at the time he and I would have been really young 
when the TV show came on. So we, we probably enjoyed it. We probably pestered our parents to buy us some stuff. But, you know, we really didn't know. This was the first exposure to this character. So we didn't know that it had a long history before then. And luckily, Batman as a character has been heavily merchandised uh, forever, ever since um, it, it came out. And it's easy to get stuff with the Batman image on it, particularly when it was on television starting in 1966. It was really easy, particularly in the 60s, early 70s, to get Batman stuff because there were tons of tie-ins with the TV show. Um, the TV show was hugely popular from oh, what yeah. I understand. Again, I was a you know little kid then, but of course then it was shown in reruns. So what's cool is in the beginning of this book, Chip tells a story uh, that could have been any one of us uh, when he was stuck in bed with chicken pox at age four and his dad brought him a Batman nightlife. And he says, you know, it was sort of the perfect companion for a feverish child, possibly a child who was afraid of the dark, to have this protector uh, who lives in the dark, you know, that lit up the dark and it made him feel better. Obviously, that started his interest in uh, collecting Batman um, memorabilia. And I just love this book. I just love it. As I said, the images are blown up really huge. You see where, you see the texture, you see love. You see these things have been mm -hmm. handled and played with forever. And as I said a little before, it contrasts these giant super graphics, these beautiful um, moody lit photos with patterns of old ads or membership cards, you name it. It's just tons of Batman ephemera. And it is pretty heavy, I would say, on the 60s and 70s when the idea of Batman the character was introduced in a more camp way. So there were lots of tie-ins for, for little kids uh, like me at the time. Yeah, pre-Tim pre Burton Batman, 80s Batman. Right, right, which is great also. It's just a different sure. swing at it, right? And Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, you know, all of those guys. You know, great, great flicks. But this was a time when... Uh, it was on television and accessible to families and, and little kids and tons of tie-in. Now, one of the reasons that I, I love this book so much, uh, the content reminds me of when I was younger. Uh, it's obviously about collecting stuff, which is near and dear to my heart. And I love Chip Kid's work. I love it because he's passionate, uh, he's articulate, uh, he he surprises us. He, he's he's not always doing the same thing. Uh, he is he's creating work to represent the narrative of the book, and his work is highly conceptual too, which is great. In this case, like you can tell a bit of the story of the book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what I love is again his work is a little unpredictable, and he balances that idea of what we know about something with the curiosity gap of what we hope to know. And we'll post a link to uh, his website with his portfolio and you'll just see literally hundreds of books that you recognize that he's, he's created. 
Oh, he's incredibly uh, for. prolific. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, and he's and, and he's, he's of, written other books too. In addition to that's that, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was going to say not only just um, as a uh, as a full time uh, designer for Knopf, he's freelanced for a number of other publications. He's written other books, of course. Uh, he has been working with um, animation on some Batman animation. And uh, I just learned he actually is a musician and has uh, started like a new wave band where he writes songs, plays drums and sings in a, in a band uh, in New York City. So guy is super uber talented. Um, he is he's one of those creatives that again, you look at he has so much talent. He's so varied. He's so clever in everything he does. It's just great inspiration. And he keeps us, the readers and the viewers of his work, keeps us on our toes because, again, he's kind of always surprising us with things that uh, we may not expect for, for covers or for other design pieces. So my love letter for Chip Kid there. And I know you're a fan as well. I am. Elliot. I am. So... I do have one question. You mentioned the curiosity gap. Um, right. I myself am curious, and I'm sure listeners are as well. Are you willing to share what, in fact, the quote-unquote floppy thing was? Uh, it's uh, y- Yeah. I mean, we'll share a picture of it because that's probably the best way to describe it. But it's basically a puppet. It's the Batman puppet. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like a hand puppet, uh, you know, that had a stick or something to it. Uh, but uh, that was the floppy thing. Okay. I was thinking it was a kite or a pennant or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's why, that's why, it, the, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. But that's why the, that exchange is so funny because it's like they're speaking in code. Like maybe the phones were being tapped and they didn't want to tell anybody what the floppy thing was. Right. Yeah. Maybe the commissioner was listening in or the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Joker. Yeah. Definitely the Joker. Actually, it was really, really more the Riddler, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the guy was talking to the Riddler. That could be. (laughs) He was like, it's a floppy thing. Can you give me more of a hint? What's red and blue and flies in the air? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so I kind of look at, like, my book is, both of ours are love letters to pop culture. Oh, definitely. yeah, without a doubt. Um, yours, yours is a little, I was a little more highbrow, uh, and I know, you know, that's, that's odd to say for the onion. I mean, it takes a higher level of intelligence to, to sort of get into that, right? I'll, yeah, there's, I, I, you know, it's almost like a... Uh, I regard the book as sort of uh, a written version of the Golden Corral Buffet. There's a little something okay. for everyone okay. in it, right? Because it <laughs> okay. does span a hundred years, so that's three or four generations. So, and you know, you and I both loving pop culture, growing up in the '70s and the '80s. Trust me, the '70s and the '80s are very well represented. Okay. All right. Good. Well, again, you have sold this uh, many times over now. So. Oh, trust I me. If I more. trust me, if I had all the money, if I'd commission from each book I've sold from this, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, man. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be on. Well, I'd be on Podcast Island. 
uh, although okay. it wouldn't be yeah. called Podcast <laughs> Island. I'm not sure what it'd be called. It'd be called Book Book Residual <laughs> Island. I don't know. Book Residual. <laughs> Elliot's Book Residual That's right. Island. That's right. Anyway, so getting back to our dumb yeah. century. Okay. So I, I teased out earlier that I would share some of my favorite headlines from this book. Okay. So... Pop culture, of course, there are a variety of events, and uh, so I'm going to list some, and then I will list the way The Onion reported those events happening, okay? All right. Okay. So, the Titanic sinking, right? Mm -hmm. So that's around 1912. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) World's largest metaphor hits iceberg. (laughs) 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 All right. Perfect. So during the Depression, you know, of course, there was the New Deal uh, in reality. But uh, the headline was, President confronts depression with his big deal plan. So the subhead is, big deal, I'm rich, Roosevelt says, (laughs) which I thought was great. So the Hindenburg explosion, everybody's very familiar with that footage. Uh, So the headline is, awesome. Nation wowed by tremendous Hindenburg explosion. But it was like awesome. Like, boy, that was cool to see. <laughs> okay, World War II. So war breaking out in, in you know, in Europe. It was uh-huh. such big news. The headline was, what? With a hyphen. <laughs> they couldn't fit the R in there. <laughs> to be continued on the inside. Okay, so that was a visual joke then. Yes, yes. Was, which, okay. which I'll, I'll yeah, we'll put that, we'll put that page uh, on the website, um, and people can see it in all its glory. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. Civil rights, right? Mm-hmm. Rosa Parks to take cab, and the subhead. Screw this bus shit, says Montgomery, Alabama commuter. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the most appropriate one to really put into print what everyone, I am sure, at the time was thinking. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Uh-huh. So this is the moon landing, 1969. Holy shit, man walks on fucking moon. <laughs> and of course, there's Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. Um, and I, I just lost my mind when I saw that because it was brilliant. But then another one of my favorite ones, bringing it uh, back down to earth. See what I did there with that pun, Todd? Oh, yeah. Clever. Yeah. So uh, pop culture reference here. So Jonestown. Mm-hmm. We all remember mm-hmm. the Jonestown, the phrase uh, drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. Anthropomorphic juice pitcher among dead in Jonestown cult suicide. And again, the brilliant oh. thing about this oh. is, uh, you know, they have the picture in, in French Guiana of, uh, of all the people. But about two-thirds of the way back in the distance, you see the, the glass pot belly of the Kool-Aid man <laughs> lying oh, amongst the dead. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's horribly uh, fun. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know if you find it to be more horrible or more fun, but uh, in terms of gallows a- humor, it, uh, it's, it's right in the crosshairs. Uh, okay. So, it's such an accurate reflection of our culture as a whole. So, another thing, of course, is political cartoons, right? You think about political cartoons in the newspaper. So, there's a running gag throughout this book 
of an ongoing series of political cartoons where Lady Liberty is basically being assaulted in different ways by the personification of whoever the U.S.'s biggest enemy is at that time. So uh-huh. I'm going to give you a, a list of miscreants and the uh, year uh, in which they were <laughs> showcased. Okay. 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 So in 1902, it was the Wretched Spaniard. Okay. In 1917, it was the Huns. In 1933, it was the capitalist plutocrat bastard. In 1943, it was the Axis leaders. In 1955, it was the Red Leader. So, of course, communism. And in 1966, not to be outdone, it was those damn freedom-loving hippies. So, I mean, just this is such a fun, fun, fun uh, snapshot of so much. If if you cannot go through this book and just not have tears pouring down your face, I'll be honest. I don't think I want to be your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you don't have a pulse, it sounds like, if you can't do this. Or, right, or well, at I, least a I, funny bone, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I certainly have to get this book then. Okay. So a few additional details as we as we start to wrap up. In case you're still not convinced, Todd, okay? Okay. So regardless of the nearly two years of work spent on conceiving and producing this book, the mm-hmm. writers, the people who did all the heavy lifting, only received bonuses of a few thousand bucks, despite the fact that the two-book publishing deal netted The Onion 450K. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, here's your uh, Jelly of the Month Club membership. <laughs> In the wake of the book's success, networks such as HBO and NBC were actually in talks to bring The Onion to television with a special that was based on Artem Century. Uh-huh. Never happened. And to be honest with you, just thinking about it and and even just reading, you know, uh, just scratching the surface with some of the the things that we're talking about. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how NBC would have even been able to pull it off. Like when I think about HBO and, you know, Todd, you and I think remember things we're old enough to remember, like not necessarily the news and some of this other stuff that's sort of lampoon popular media. I could see some of the minds at HBO doing it, but but it just it never happened. Just just I don't know. But Mm. I have so much appreciation for this book. And Mm -hmm. part of the reason, as I mentioned, it came out in the late 90s, all right? So I just need to frame this for people listening today, right? Because this was written before a lot of these online research tools that we use every day existed. Uh Like we take Uh for granted that we can hop onto Google. Well, Google was just getting going at the end of 1998. There really wasn't a Mm -hmm. ton of stuff that was even existing to be indexed at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and Wikipedia, which as we know is something that we both love and use all oh. the time, that yes. didn't even start until 2001. So these guys were poring over microfiche and back issues of you know the yeah. New York Times and the Washington Post. And so this was, to your point, you said Batman, the Batman book, Chip Kid's book was a love letter to Batman yeah. and specifically yeah. 60s Batman. This was really a love letter to not just contemporary pop culture, but also historic pop culture. And I think that's just knowing what went into this book. I think that's one of the reasons I have such appreciation for it, because it's just an amazing, amazing history of pop culture. And it's executed so brilliantly. Yeah. Well said. Well said, Elliot. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
you know, I've said a couple times, you've convinced me and you've probably convinced a bunch of other folks out there to check out our dumb century from The Onion. Hey, you know, if they check out our dumb website, we'll post a link to our dumb century. Yeah, that'd be great. That, that would be great. And now if we could just convince the bartender to uh, give us some attention over here would be great. That's right. Maybe we can find a secret house cocktail that involves pearl onions. How about that? Ooh, okay. I like, I like the way you think there. Thank you. All right, so uh, we will gather again around the, uh, the pub table here and talk about some more interesting stuff soon. That's right, and if you see the two designers uh, signal on the horizon, understand we're out late at night. We've tumbled out of the bar and we're off somewhere fighting crime. And we've lost somewhere and you need to find us. Oh, that's what that means? <laughs> All right, see ya. And I'm Joe, and, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show, or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.